Thank you for listening to this teaching from Kingdom Discipleship. Did you know that the Bible is the most well-preserved book in all human history? Did you know that the scriptures testified about Jesus hundreds and even thousands of years before he came? Do you believe the Holy Scriptures that tell us plainly that Jesus Christ is the only way to have eternal life? Let's open our Bible now to John chapter 5 and look at the incredible role the Bible plays in every aspect of our lives. Well, good morning and welcome to another teaching. It's a Monday morning here in Texas and hopefully all are just living for Jesus, loving for Jesus, giving for Jesus, and forgiving for Jesus. Everything we do, we want to do unto Jesus Christ, right? Um, every aspect of our lives ought to be an increasing devotion to Jesus. Jesus is God. Jesus entered the world in the most overwhelming, incredible, unspeakable picture of love. God enters the world on our behalf because we're separated from him. Our sin separates us from God. God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. We have a triune God. And the second member of the Trinity, the Son, enters the world in this incredible display of love. The Heavenly Father sends him in this incredible display of love. You see this incredible partnership of the Father, Son, Holy Spirit in the work of redemption. Jesus enters the world, God the Son, lives a perfect life for us, dies a perfect death for us, and is alive and risen and it's entrusting in him, relying on him, clinging to him for the forgiveness of our sins and the salvation of our soul, that, that we're forgiven of our sin, that we come into new life, new spiritual life, and that we have growing relationship with our Heavenly Father, with Jesus, our Lord and Savior, and with the Holy Spirit, our guide, our counselor. He's our comforter. And so... Everything we do, we want to increasingly do unto Jesus Christ. Um, and that's, that's the meaning of life, is growing in intimacy, to know him better. So thank you, Lord Jesus. Today, Lord willing, we're going to uh, finish John chapter 5. Uh, we're going to pick up in verse 39, and the chapter ends at verse 47. Um. This what we do here, what we've done now for golly coming up, I think it's coming up on three years, is we're, we, we teach the scriptures. This is called expository teaching where we just go verse by verse by verse by verse through the scriptures, through the holy scriptures. Like the Bible is called a holy Bible. And the reason is, is because it's the word of God. It's not it's not the word of human beings. The Bible is the word of God, and that's why we give so much immense time to it. You remember in Matthew 4, verse 4, Jesus said, Man does not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. So we don't sustain ourselves. Our sustenance is not only in physical food, but in the spiritual nourishment that we get 
from reading and studying and meditating on the scriptures, memorizing the scriptures, above all, obeying the scriptures, believing the scriptures and obeying the scriptures. I, uh, as I mentioned last time, I, uh, I met a new brother in Christ. He's my, he's one of my, uh, children's pastors and, uh, my kids are adults now. They're almost 26. Um, good guy. Um, I like him. His name is Ethan and he has a passion for the scriptures, but for everyone to know that the scriptures just didn't fall out of the sky, that, that this Bible that we have has the most remarkable construction ever, right? It has a tremendous profession. It professes to be the very word of God in it. The production that went into this thing, over 1,500 years, the 66 books of the Bible were put together. They were preserved. It's been preserved like no other book in history. It's, it's, it's incredible. There's like 5,700 New Testament manuscripts that we have that verify this is actually true. This is actually the words that Jesus has given us. It's, it's remarkable, right? Um, there are other manuscripts where, the, you know, from like, I don't know, Alexander the Great. I forget exactly what it is, but from a place in history or Pharaoh, Egypt, that we believe. And there's only like six or seven manuscripts, 5,700 New, uh, New Testament manuscripts. The prophecy that's in this Bible, there are, uh, I, I was studying this a um, little while ago. Some say there are 351 prophecies in the Old Testament that speak to, to Christ in the New Testament, all fulfilled in Jesus. But there's a good dozen that are just absolute plain. You don't even have to uh, it's not even hard to find him. The virgin will be with child and will give birth to a son and they will call him Emmanuel, God with us, um, that he'll be born in, in Bethlehem, um, that he'll go and spend time in Egypt. So, so you know, it, it's it's just incredible. And then it has this, this personal testimony. There's the testimony of people that testify in the Bible of what Jesus has done. And of course, there's your testimony and my testimony to who Christ has been. And so I get a little, I'm getting a little jazzed up about it myself now, Nathan. But anyway, I'm sorry, Ethan. Nathan is my soon-to-be son-in-law. Um, so yes, that's uh when we when we have the scripture, the uh it, it's just incredible, you know, how this thing has come to be. And we really can rely. These these nine verses about that Jesus is speaking, we can have faith. And it's not a blind faith. We can have faith that these really are his words. Thank you, Lord Jesus. So, all right. Um, John 5, 39 to 47. And it's interesting. You know, we're going to get into it right here in verse 39. Verse 39. You diligently study the scriptures because you think that by them you possess eternal life. These are the scriptures that testify about me, yet you refuse to come to me to have life. I do not accept praise from men, but I know you. I know that you do not have the love of God in your hearts. I have come in my Father's name and you do not accept me. But if anyone else comes in his own name, you will accept him. 
How can you believe if you accept praise from one another, yet make no effort to obtain the praise that comes from the only God? But do not think I will accuse you before the Father. Your accuser is Moses, on whom your hopes are set. If you believe Moses, you would believe me, for he wrote about me. But since you do not believe what he wrote, how are you going to believe what I say? Father, we do worship you and thank you and praise you today. We thank you for the this the incredible word of God, Father, and we thank you, Father, for the the care that's gone into these scriptures, Father. And uh, we thank you, Father, that we, we know this is the Holy Bible, the living word of God, Father. Father, above all, even more than the scriptures, we thank you for Jesus our only Lord and Savior and Master and King and God. Lord Jesus, we thank you for willingly becoming a human man for us and living a perfect life for us and dying a perfect death for us. And we thank you, Lord, that you are alive and risen and we worship you, our Savior, our Lord, our Master and our King. Holy Spirit, we ask you to lead us and guide us now as we open the scriptures. We ask you to give us eyes that see and ears that hear. We commit this time into your hands and we thank you for it. And we ask you to bless it in Jesus name. Amen and amen. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Okay. Verse 39, Jesus speaking. He's speaking to the Jewish leaders. And we got through 38 last time. 39, you diligently study the scriptures. That's a good thing. Okay. There's really nothing of greater value in your life than to diligently study the scriptures, Kristen. There is, there is nothing more profitable in our lives. Diligently studying the scriptures will help us grow in relationship with our Heavenly Father and with Jesus and with the Holy Spirit. And that's the meaning of life is growing in intimacy and deeper and deeper relationship with the triune God. We want to know our Father better. Jesus said, when you've seen me, you've seen the Father. Well, where do you see Jesus? You see him, you see him all over the, the 27 books of the New Testament. And as we said earlier, Ethan, you see him in the, uh, the 39 books in prophecy in the Old Testament. And then the New Testament, we see all those prophecies fulfilled. Um, it's as we study the scriptures, we get to know the person of the Holy Spirit, God, the Holy Spirit. I say person because they're three distinct beings. Okay. God, the father, God, the son, and God, the Holy Spirit are all God. They're all one in the fact that they all have the nature of God. They're, they're all, all knowing. They're all, all powerful. Uh, they're all everywhere. Um, and they're not, it's not one being expressing himself in three different ways. That's not what the Bible teaches. The Bible teaches a triune God of three distinct beings. And through Jesus Christ, we actually have relationship with all of them. It's incredible. It's wonderful. So 39, you diligently study the scriptures. It's by diligently studying and meditating. And again, on obeying the scriptures and repenting when we fall short, that that is the primary way we grow to know him. But look what he says to, to, to these people, these Jewish leaders who rejected him. 
You diligently study the scriptures because you think that by them you possess eternal life. These are the scriptures that testify about me. Verse 40, yet you refuse to come to me to have life. The Bible testifies about Jesus. It testifies about Jesus, as we've said this whole time, uh, from Genesis, the first book, to Revelation, to the end. It's been preserved for you by a holy God. It was produced over 1,500 years. It has massive testimony to what it's done. It, uh, the, 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 the process of the whole thing is so remarkable that we have no excuse, y'all. No human being, none of us have an excuse because it is the very word of God, but because there's been so much care given to us that our Bible is, is absolutely true and in that it's the word of God, we have no excuse. Our Bible testifies about Jesus. It speaks plainly about Jesus. What we learn here is that you, you, can, you can have some knowledge of the Bible. You can have gone to church. You can, you, know, you can have sat in the pew for a long time. You can be a Bible reader and not be a Christian. You could be a Bible reader and a Bible studier and not be redeemed. You diligently study the scriptures because you think that by them you possess eternal life. The scriptures alone don't give you eternal life. The scriptures point us to Jesus for eternal life. And only the scriptures, mind you. Okay, It's this word of God that points us to Jesus. The scriptures alone. The other, other religions, some call themselves denominations, they have their own books. They're not the scriptures. They're not the Bible. There has been comparatively no care given to these books. The scriptures, the entire theme of the scriptures is that humanity has gone bad, has failed in sin, and, and the love of the triune God sent in the Son of God, Jesus Christ, into the world to be our Savior, our Redeemer, to pay the penalty for our sins, to die in our place. To have eternal life, you have to have Jesus Christ. You learn about Jesus Christ from the testimony of the Scriptures. The Scriptures testify unambiguously, as I just said, about Christ. These are the scriptures that testify about me. We talked about how they testify about him in prophecy throughout the old, whole Old Testament. And then it's completely confirmed and revealed on all the pages of the New Testament. But look what he says. These are the scriptures that testify about me. Yet you refuse to come to me to have life. It's a strong phrase, Jesse, right? Yet you refuse there's a strong emphasis on the will there, yet you refuse. We have a choice today. And wherever we are, wherever we are in the world today, 
You have a choice to either accept Jesus for who he is, who he claimed to be, God the Son, the Son of God. You can accept the testimony of the scriptures that all human beings are sinful. Romans 3.23 says that all have sinned and fall short of God's holy standard. We're desperate. We're hopeless. We're helpless. The scriptures declare clearly that Jesus Christ has come and he is our only hope. In John 14, 6, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one gets to the Father except through me. This is not ambiguous. It says it in our Bible and we know it's true because of that whole process that was put in, into place, the production, the preservation, the prophecy, the personal testimony. We know that all these things are true. So wherever you are today, have you refused to give your life to Jesus Christ? Have you refused to bend the knee before Jesus? As you heard, the word of God is plain. Jesus said it with his own mouth. There's no other way for us to have our sins forgiven and to come into a personal relationship with the triune God except for Jesus Christ. And without Jesus Christ, it's only hell that awaits us. So give your life to Jesus today. Have you received Jesus Christ as your only Lord and Savior? Do you believe on him now? Are you trusting in him? John 1.12 says to all who received him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. Have you received him? There's a difference between intellectual assent. There's a difference between intellectually acknowledging that Jesus existed and receiving him and trusting him, clinging to him, desperately knowing he's your only hope. And out of that, out of that knowing and understanding and belief that he is the son of God and that he came to save you, Romans 10, 13 says that everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. When you believe and acknowledge, as the scriptures say, that you are a sinful man or woman, that there's nothing you can do to save yourself from your sin, you're hopeless, you're desperate, you're helpless, and you go to Jesus and call on him and say, Lord Jesus, I believe you are the son of God. I believe that you came into the world for me and lived a perfect life for me and died a perfect death for me. And Lord Jesus, I believe you're alive and risen. And I ask you now, Lord Jesus, to come into my heart, to be the Lord of my life, to save me from my sin, to bring me to heaven when I die. Lord Jesus, I place all my faith and trust and hope in you alone to save me and to be my everlasting Lord and God. Lord Jesus, it's in your name I pray. Heavenly Father, in Jesus' name I pray. That's how you become a Christian. It's not the words. The words are not what saves us. It's not just puppeting some words. It's Christ that saves us. Words are what we use, right? That's, that's a vehicle we use to call out to him. But it's our, our trusting and relying on Jesus Christ, our clinging to him, knowing he's our only hope.
if you'll give your life to Christ today, you'll become a child of, of God. God the Father will become your heavenly father. He'll become your, your, your daddy, your heavenly daddy, your father in heaven. Jesus Christ will be your Lord, your Savior, your Master, your King, your God. You'll be part of the body of Christ, the bride of Christ. And the Holy Spirit will come and live inside of you, be one with you, give you spiritual life. And he'll forever be your guide, your comforter, and your counselor. Eight billion people in the world. Every single one needs Jesus. Our Bible says it. The scriptures say it. Give your life to Jesus today. If you've refused to come to him, repent and give your life to Jesus, as we just said. Verse 41. I do not accept praise from men. This is very interesting. Jesus speaking. I do not accept praise from men. Seven words. That's the whole verse. I do not accept praise from men. 42. But I know you. I know that you do not have the love of God in your hearts. 43. I have come in my father's name. You do not accept me, but if someone else comes in his own name, you will accept him. 44, how can you believe if you accept praise from one another, yet make no effort to obtain the praise that comes from the only God? They, these, these Jewish leaders had a, had a lifestyle and it and, and and it's we we often have a similar lifestyle in the church right it's something that that that's that's certainly creeped its way into the church where where oftentimes we live off the praise of others more than we do the praise of Jesus oftentimes we want to please you know, our, our wives, our parents, our children, our pastors, our colleagues, our friends, more than we want to please our Heavenly Father. It, 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 it's absurd. And yet all of us, if we look into our hearts, certainly if I do, I, you, you can see elements of this. Forgive us, Lord Jesus. What does he mean? I don't accept praise from men. It's pretty powerful. Jesus is saying that he's not saying that we should not praise him because, of course, we praise and worship Jesus and our Heavenly Father and the Holy Spirit. We ought to have a lifestyle of daily praising and worshiping him, thanking him. But when he says, I don't accept praise from men, your and I's praise, nor their praise, adds to him. Any praise that, that they gave him or what we give him doesn't add to him. Any praise that they don't give him doesn't lessen him. And it is the same with us. Jesus is not made greater and he's not made less by your and I's praise and worship. It doesn't add to him. It doesn't take away from him. God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit are, are utterly complete 
You can't add to them or take away from them. So obviously we need to have a lifestyle of praise and worship and thanksgiving and prayer. All these things are extremely important, but, but it's not going to, to move Jesus one way or another. Jesus has come that they would be saved. That, that's the purpose of why he's here. As a matter of fact, it, uh, he says, I'm looking for the, the verse here. Yeah, it's verse 34, where he says, not that I accept human testimony, but I mention it that you may be saved. So the same thing down here in verse 41, I, I don't accept praise from men. It, Jesus' heart for you and for me is that we would be saved and we would grow in, a, in an ever-deepening and intimate relationship with him and with our Heavenly Father and with the Holy Spirit. I do not accept praise from men, but I know you. Did you see that right there? But I know you. Jesus knows us, Lauren. Jesus knows what's in our heart wrap. He knows our thoughts. He knows our considerations. He knows our desires. And sometimes it's nice, right, to be complimented by people. It's nice as teachers to say, man, that was a great teaching. We like it, right? I like it. Um, but if we're not careful, that can be the reason we often do things. Father, I do ask you to cleanse us and forgive us, Lord, um, just as Christians and particularly those of us, Lord, as, as ministers, Lord, um, forgive us, Lord, where we, where we do things not unto you, but often unto, unto people, Lord. Father, help us to just to, to increasingly do all things unto you through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord. I do not accept praise from men, but I know you. I know that you do not have the love of God in your hearts. It's just a very strong statement from Jesus. He didn't say, I think, you notice. Becky, he said, I know that you don't have the love of God in your hearts. Wherever you are today is the love of God in your hearts. The reason they don't have the love of God in their hearts is they don't have Jesus in their hearts. You cannot reject Jesus and have the love of God in your hearts. I'm going to say that again because I think I might have said it a little too soft. I want to make sure you heard it. You cannot reject Jesus and have any love of God in your hearts. Our hearts are completely dead, void, sinful, of no use until Jesus Christ comes and live, lives in us and does that work of transformation in us, takes us from spiritual death to spiritual life. The reason he knows that the love of God is not in their hearts is because they don't love him. That He's not thinking anywhere else. So do you understand that? In, in verse 42, when he says, I know that you do not have the love of God in your hearts, it's because they're rejecting Jesus. When you reject Jesus, you reject the Father, you reject the Holy Spirit, you reject life. 
You reject the meaning of life. You reject the purpose of life. There is no life, no meaning, no hope, no love, no purpose, no nothing, except in Jesus Christ our Lord. That's what the scripture teaches. That's why we do these things, is we want everyone to know Jesus and to walk with Jesus and to know the love of God that can only be found in Jesus Christ. So again, if you're, if you're not walking with Jesus Christ today, if you're not sure you've received him, as John 1.12 says, then rewind the tape or the YouTube or the podcast or whatever it is and, and go back and receive him. Knowing that, that genuinely, desperately, you want Jesus Christ to live in your heart. Because that's how he knows that they don't have the love of God in their heart. Now, as Christians, those of us who do know Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior, we have Christ in us. Now we have, we have love living inside of us, right? God is love. Uh, uh, the scripture says, uh, the whole book of 1 John, right? Uh, you know, God is love, right? And then we have the famous passages in 1 Corinthians 13 about all the things love is. But even as Christians, most of us don't operate living in the love of God in and through Jesus Christ our Lord. Certainly I know that there are times where I'm not moving in the love of God and I need to repent. More than I care to admit, frankly. But uh, as Christians, we have to continue to grow, to live in the love of God. And that's a skill. As you grow in your relationship, we grow, to, we grow in these things. Because growing in the love of God doesn't mean that you're just quiet and you don't say anything. And, you know, uh, the, the love of God is, is expressed in, 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 in all the attributes of God. God's discipline is love to us. The firmness of the scriptures is love to us. So it's it's not, you know, it's not just some, you know, feely, touchy-feely kind of love. It is it is it is a it is a, a Christ-like love. It's an agape love. It's not a love because of. It's a love of it's a love in spite of. I do not accept praise from men, but I know you. I know that you do not have the love of God in your hearts. I have come in my Father's name, and you do not accept me. But if someone else comes in his own name, you will accept him. When he says, I have come in my Father's name, right? the Father testified of Jesus. Do you remember at his baptism, what is it, Luke 3, maybe 22, that uh, that heaven opened and a voice came from heaven saying, this is my son with whom I'm well pleased, right? But then, right, throughout the, throughout the whole Old Testament, right, Ethan, the, the, uh, the father testified to the son and that the son is coming. And then, like when this chapter starts and Jesus heals a man that, uh, that had been paralyzed 38 years, that's a testimony that the father sent him. You don't heal a paralyzed man paralyzed for 38 years if the father's not with you. So all of these things, I have come in my father's name. He, he plainly 
has told them that God is his father in the previous verse. As a matter of fact, they're trying to kill him 20 verses ago because they say, you've made yourself equal with God. You, a mere man, make yourself equal with God. And you notice he doesn't deny it. They understood the words he was saying, the Jewish leaders, that by his very words, he was making himself equal with God, not subordinate, not under, right? Now, there is an authority in the Trinity, but they're both God. And, and, and it's so clear and obvious. He never denies when they say you make yourself equal with God. He doesn't say, oh, that's, that, that's not true. I, you know, I don't, none of it. And the reason he doesn't deny it, right, Dr. John, is because he is God. I have come in my own name. I have come in my father's name, and you do not accept me. But if someone else comes in his own name, you will accept him. You know, there's going to be a time in the future when the Antichrist comes, and he'll come in his own name. He won't be sent from the father. He'll be a, a massive deceiver, the Bible says. And he'll proclaim himself to be God. And, if, and all those who don't know Jesus Christ will be deceived. And we, we see it today. How often are, do we see individuals coming in their own name and speaking in their own name? God forbid. Let us speak only in the name of Jesus Christ. Anywhere we go, right? Whatever you do in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. You'll see the scripture on the screen in, in Colossians. We don't want to, we don't, we don't go in our own name. You notice how Jesus said, if you ask anything in my name, we come in Jesus' name. He actually came in his father's name. We don't listen to anyone that comes in their own name. If someone comes to you and they're not coming in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and the only holy word of God, then, then you don't accept him. Okay? Because there is no God, there is no anything except Jesus. But if someone else comes in his own name, you will accept him. If someone comes in their own name and they're not coming in the name of Jesus Christ, and the triune God, the God of the Bible, then don't accept him. If you haven't received Jesus Christ as your only Lord and Savior, then you will be susceptible to these other things as they were. As Jesus said, but if someone else comes in his own name, you will accept him. 44, how can you believe? So it's an impediment to believing. Look at this. How can you believe if you accept praise from one another yet make no effort to obtain the praise that comes from the only God. This is very powerful. It's an impediment to believe. It's an impediment of growing in Christ. It's, a, it's an impediment to adding to our relationship. How can you believe if you accept praise from one another, yet make no effort to obtain the praise that comes from the holy God? They had a culture, and as I've said already, Regrettably, we have this culture in the church today. And as I've said, I, I can see when I've been guilty of it. It's, it's something we really want to work to get out of our, out of our lives. 
and out of our churches, um, where we where we accept praise from one another, we desire we we desire that of boys from one another. We we desire opinions from one another um, more than we do Christ. We have a, we have a greater concern for what people think than what he thinks oftentimes. Now hear me, I'm not saying we don't go to our brothers and sisters in Christ, but if we're going looking for praise, okay, if, if we're consistently wanting a that boy listen, I'm not saying we shouldn't be encouraging other people. We shouldn't say good job. We shouldn't say, you know, you know, that was a great word, brother. What All of these things are good. But, but our hearts at the foundation need to be that we want to receive a well-done, good and faithful servant from Jesus, not only when we get to heaven, but all the days of this life. And you notice it's an impediment. How can you believe if you accept praise from one another? Again, they had a culture where they were consistently praising one another. They were consistently, you know, talking good and telling each other how wonderful they are. And that Jesus said that was an impediment to them believing and to knowing Christ. We really can get to where we are so desirous and so needy of the approval of people, y'all. All of us. And it's something we want to check in our hearts and we want to repent of. Forgive us, Lord Jesus. How can you believe if you accept praise from one another, yet make no effort? To obtain the praise that comes from the only God. Father, help us to make effort to receive praise from you and to be pleasing to you. Thank you, Lord. Verse 45, but do not think I will accuse you before the Father. Your accuser is Moses on whom your hopes are set. If you believe Moses, you would believe me, 46, for he wrote about me. But since you do not believe what he wrote, how are you going to believe what I say? As we started out in this thing, we were talking about how the Bible, you know, we gave you these five P's on, you know, on how it has this, it has this process, it has this production, uh, it has this preservation, it has this prophecy, and it has this personal testimony. So when he says, you know, your accuser is Moses on whom your hopes are set, Moses wrote about Jesus. Verse 46, if you believe Moses, you would believe me, for he wrote about me. They would memorize oftentimes the first five books of the Bible. Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy. They'd memorize all of them. Go and look at how thick those books is. They would diligently study the letter, and they would memorize every letter and every word, but yet they didn't see the truth in it. Moses and those first five books of the Bible, mind you, there are there are many, 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 many prophecies, as we've said, that point to Jesus. If you believe Moses, you would believe me, for he wrote about me. Moses believed in the Savior that would come. But why didn't they believe? They didn't believe because they were looking for like a, a military and political figure. They were looking for this tremendous you know, King David, Alexander the Great, deliverer of Israel. They wanted someone, they were, they were wanting a savior and a Messiah that would remove 
the Roman authority from being over them. So they had no eyes for a spiritual deliverer, which is infinitely more important. They only had eyes for a, a physical deliverer, some, some, again, great general that would, that would lead Israel into glory. And that's not, what, that's not what they need. That's not what you and I need. That will happen when Christ comes next time. He will come as a conquering king. But what he came the first time, he came as a suffering servant. So that by knowing him, he would be a deliverer of our spirits. He would take us from spiritual death to spiritual life in our Messiah and the Savior, Jesus Christ. Now, Moses wrote about Jesus. He prophesied about Jesus in the books that he wrote. But do not think I will accuse you before the Father. Your accuser is Moses on whom your hopes are set. So again, it's not like Moses is going to stand up and talk to him. It's that they always spoke about this belief that Moses is from God, Moses is from God, and Moses certainly was sent from God. Jesus is God. And, and Moses wrote down that Jesus would come. Rose, Moses put in type and shadow. He put in, um, what is it, Deuteronomy 18.15, I think, that says um, that, you know, the Lord will send you a prophet like me. You must, you know, you must listen to him and hear everything he says. And then he had the, um, the example of the, uh, Moses did the, the thing with the serpent on the, you know, when the people were, were bitten, you know, hold up the, the snake and anyone believes and looks to it will be saved. And so there are, there are consistent examples of, of types and shadows and prophecies of Christ that you have in your Bible right now, thanks to uh, all the hard work that the Lord has, has, uh, has provided amongst us over the last 2,000 years to have what we have. Thank you, Lord. So verse 46 is interesting. If you believe Moses, you would believe me. So... The truth is, no one's going to be able to say, I believe Moses, but I don't believe you. You're not going to be able to say that. I'm, none of us will be able to say that. Because if you truly believe Moses, you would believe Jesus. Because Moses pointed to Jesus. Matter of fact, you remember when Moses and Elijah were talking to Jesus. Verse 47. But since you do not believe what he wrote, how are you going to believe what I say? We can't just pick and choose what we want to believe in the Holy Scriptures. Since you do not believe what he wrote, the whole Bible is the word of God. You know, you've heard there are people who say they don't, there's certain, there are certain books they don't want to believe. You've heard it said, well, I don't believe that story of Jonah. Um, I, I don't believe that story of Noah. And there's all kinds of things that, that people pick and choose. Y'all, the whole Bible is the living word of God. God has given his word. And these 66 books we have are the living word of God, right? With great care that's been put so that we can, we can believe them. But since you do not believe what he wrote, how are you going to believe what I say? They made all the claims that they believed in Moses, but they really didn't believe what he wrote. And Jesus said, you know, in your rejection of believing about Moses, what he's saying is you've had all these opportunities to believe. 
if you believed the Messiah that would come, if you believed the testimonies, if you believed John the Baptist, if you believe, if you believed the, the healing that I just sent, but you won't believe anything. So how can you believe what I say? Lord Jesus, we do worship you and we thank you and we praise you. We thank you for your word. We ask you to give us, Holy Spirit, eyes that see and ears that hear that we would truly know you and walk with you and, and love you. Help us open our eyes, Lord, where we need to see and, and, to, and, to, and to help our unbelief. Father, we love you and we thank you for the incredible word of God. Above all, we thank you for Jesus Christ, the Son of God. Lord Jesus, we worship you and we love you and we thank you. In Jesus' name, amen and amen.